y'all. You're listening to the Palsies with Palsies podcast, and I am the Palsy Rebecca Mitz. And I'm the Paul, the Palsy Dustin Hancock, and Rebecca, we're back together. Yeah. <laughs> At long last. Sorry for the slightly pubescent voice crack. I just got <laughs> so excited, folks, because it's been nearly a month. <laughs> <laughs> I know you were giggling during your name, even. <laughs> I was. It, it did occur to me, though, is this like the, the reunion tour that happens before the band inevitably breaks up again? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we record a series of episodes, say, for three more weeks, and we just keep doing it again and again and yeah, we just keep yeah. touring and saying the same things over and over again. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly, yeah. Good, we're on the same page. So, Rebecca, what's up in your world? Um, Nothing much. The only new thing, well, two new things. One, we've rearranged the living room, which is great. Um, and I'm watching an, an anime again, which I haven't really watched any for a while, so... Um, I was telling you about it. Yeah, uh, we were <laughs> chatting in our pre-show discussion last night. Um, what's the deal with this anime to use a phrase so, that I'm sure my dad would use? Yeah, so here's the so the deal <laughs> with it is it's called the rank ranking of kings. The premise being that you're set in a world where a fantasy world where there's giants and monsters and demons. And the kings of various kingdoms are ranked. So like when a new king shows up, a ranking person shows up and ranks how powerful they are and all this other stuff. And then they get ranked. And I guess every year they re-rank them. So, um, And our main character is a prince called Boji. And he is deaf and cannot talk. Well, he can talk, but he can't <clears throat> form words. And he wants to be the next king because he's the first prince of his house. And uh, it follows him as all this stuff happens as in his pursuit of becoming the next king. And everyone around him doesn't think he can become king because he can't hear. And he's physically very weak. So it's a really interesting show that I'm really into because like your hero of the show is disabled. And mm-hmm. like you, everybody that's mean, mean to him or says shit, it's like, fuck off. Like you're like, you're so protective of this cute kid who just like wants to be the best. Um, and his best friend is this little shadow creature that can understand him. Like, oh. like, so Boji makes noises as he's like trying to communicate and the shadow demon, for some reason, understands what he's trying to say. Hmm. And uh, Boji can read lips and he does sign language. And I think they did the read lips thing because they didn't want to animate sign language all the time. So I think they were like, uh, we're going to also have him be able to read lips <laughs> because and show sign language intermittent enough that you understand and it's interesting because not everybody knows that he can read lips. And so you have people say some stuff 
that he understands, but they don't know that he understands it. So, and you said it comes, it originates out of Japan. Is yeah. that what you said? Yeah. So it's coming out of Japan. Uh, and so currently it's like being released now, like it's new and like the, so it hasn't, doesn't have a dub yet. Thank you. I love you. My wife brought me an egg. No, what a, what a hard a boiled real... egg. <laughs> well, let it be publicly stated for this podcast. Yes. I do love a good hard boiled egg, but what a weird thing <laughs> <laughs> to just drop in the middle of our podcast. You're welcome. <laughs> My wife is wonderful. Um, Indeed. So, so it's airing right now. Breaking of Kings is airing right now, and it's coming out of Japan. And so right now it only has subtitles. There's not a, there's not a dub yet. And I only know about being able to see it on Crunchyroll, a website that shows those shows. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's kind of like the anime, not home, but main hub for authentic yeah. uh, anime streaming and things yeah. like that. Yeah, I'm I'm really interested in in looking at the show and seeing how it handles deafness from a from a uh, disability or even an alternative culture mm-hmm. standpoint because those are two two different things. So, right. um, the subtitles would throw me a little bit, I'm sure, but uh, the minute it gets I'll be I'll be looking for a dub because it does sound uh, really interesting. So I think before we jump in properly, I do want to say, and I have had this rant about three times now, and I need, and I do want to hear kind of from you. So in the show, and maybe in other shows where you have somebody that has a disability that's like a main character. So in the show, the Boji stepmom is really kind of mean to him uh she's like i don't think he's very kingly the other thing is he has a half brother that is able-bodied and there's a lot of like we think the younger brother should be king because he's the better yeah so yeah um and so his stepmom seems very mean to him and she'll be like i don't think he's very kingly or don't, she'll be talking like kind of at him and then say don't translate that to the the person that's interpreting for her and uh you know just like she turns out her motivations are this is not a huge spoiler <laughs> sorry but like her intentions are good but the execution of her like wanting to protect him ends up being like doesn't allow him to grow or doesn't let him try and pursue what he wants to pursue or doesn't think he can get any further than where he is now. Yeah. And so I see people who have talked about this show are like, Oh, we love her. She always loved him. She's the best. Like now that what we know what her intentions were, but I watch it and I'm like, I kind of don't give a shit. <laughs> like she's a complicated character and I like that. I'm not saying like 
And she's yeah. like one of three female characters, so I don't I have very few pickings. But like I guess I'm kind of like, no, I need her to like understand that she how she needs to change how she's doing what she's doing. You know what I mean? Um, and it's what are your thoughts on like shows that do that? Like they're like, oh, but they had good intentions. So it doesn't, you know. Well, it's it shows and it's life and yeah. um, I think that that would be a little bit more theoretical if I did not see a similar dynamic literally all the time <laughs> in my work mm. where where you know ninety percent of my heavy lifting is with the parents mm. and saying, look. You've got to give, I understand you love your child. That's, that's beyond dispute. That's not a question. But if you want to come on this journey, part of coming on this journey is realizing they're not made of frosted glass and they're not going to shatter. And even if they do fall and somewhat shatter, your job is to help them pick up the pieces and go, okay, how do we do this better? Or how are we more effective at getting you where you need to be instead of guarding them so they don't hurt themselves? Um, so kind of going along with the with I and I I'd be very clear, haven't seen the show, as I said, planning on seeing the show at the first available opportunity, even if it is you come over and you come visit us and you just read me subtitles for yeah. three I'll, hours. I'll do that. <laughs> um, that sounds kind of cool. But um, <laughs> I would be really interested to see how they use um, deafness and hearing loss. Mm-hmm. Is it a plot device or is there somebody deaf in that writer's room and in that animator's room? Mm. Or is it is it just used as a way of demarcating normal or expected versus abnormal or unexpected? And from what you said, I'm totally willing to give the show the benefit of the doubt. And I love good creative arts for their own sake, even if their depictions of disabilities are somewhat um, loose and questionable. Yeah. But it does sound like a show that that runs the risk of being rife with like stereotypes and stereotyped reactions to disability. And my hope would be that that ultimately is not true. But... Um, it's very easy to like frame a mother like that as a right. plot device until you realize that that happens all the time yeah. and is a very real thing. So I don't know. There's a lot of this wasn't going to be our main topic because, <laughs> as I said, I haven't seen the show. Yeah. Be a little bit weird for just just dive in the middle of it, but we already sort of did. Um, so I'll have to see the show to give a more complete picture, but it's um, it's interesting, if nothing else. Yeah, 
you know, even with as much as I know and am aware of, and I'm like wanting to be an advocate, um, I'm still able-bodied and don't, I'm not going to see things as quickly as I think you would, Justin, or somebody who is deaf watching the show who could tell right away, oh, this is yeah not accurate or but at the same time, before we're too hard on <laughs> things like that, yeah. because we know what we know now, disability has been used in stories as a demarcator since ancient Greeks and Persians and the Bible. I mean, yeah. Mephibosheth, um, the... Um, son of Jonathan who is disabled mm-hmm. and and treated well and made part of David's household. So it's all over the place um, and still being utilized to greater or lesser effect today, obviously. So, you know, it happens. I am intrigued, though. I, we are... <laughs> Who knows when we're going to get to a real topic because I have a question for you and I talked about it a little bit with Amber on our episode which was I don't think I've ever asked you about well I guess maybe we have we've done almost 50 episodes now which is kind of bonkers um and so I'm sure at some point you've mentioned like when you're preaching uh, a story that has the healing narrative in it but like is how you preach it differently than maybe how you Justin internalize those stories? Cause that's like a story that is depicting a disability and like, how do you Justin internalize it that versus maybe preaching it? Well, I suppose this is the episode now. <laughs> <laughs> that, this was not our intention. No, but I think it's a, it's a valid point. And, you know, sometimes you turn on the microphone and let the conversation roll well, where it will, yeah. no pun intended. <laughs> um, so can you rephrase your question? Because I really like it, but I want to make sure I do it justice. When you are, I'm going to speak, I'm focusing in on like biblical narratives because those are some of, you know, pretty early storytelling that we have um as it depicts in the biblical stories how they depict disability how do you justin take in and interpret those stories versus maybe how you would how you preach it yes okay um so I'm not going to give a complete, um, as complete an answer as I would like, um, because it's a, it's a large question and um, with many complexities. Yeah. But I would like to say that there is becoming less and less difference between how I internalize a story and how I preach Mm. a story because I am beginning to make the tenets of disability theology, for example, 
that healing and disability theology is the restoration to and towards community and cure cure in disability theology is the elimination of the presenting disabled issue um what do you mean? so well we preached on lisa and i preached on the the man at the uh pool of bethesda mm -hmm. a couple weeks back so in that story we find the healing of the men being carried out. Sure, he is told by Jesus to rise, take up his mat, and walk. But he is given an opportunity to come back to community and fully embrace his new reality as a follower of Christ and as a member of a the larger Jewish Jewish and or Christian community. So that would be an example of his, the healing possibility of that story. Mm -hmm. The cure in that story is purely the elimination of his disabling condition of not being able to walk, of laying on mm -hmm. his mat. That, that's cure is the elimination of disability healing in disability theology has much more to do with fullness and a restoration towards complete community mm -hmm. than it does with just the literal curing of the uh, physical uh, condition. So there's a separation between... There is. Um, it used to take a lot more effort for me to internalize the the difference mm. so I could say those things and I could teach disability theology but it was like putting on and taking off a coat mm. um, and I would still internalize a lot of the ableism and a lot of the the negative quote-unquote negative stuff for folks with disabilities and the healing stories. Mm -hmm. um, I do that much less now. And what I preached, I'm actively trying to live the disability uh, pride that I preach. Yeah. But, um, of course, I mean, it, ableism is like any ism, and it's one of my favorite quotes from my favorite uh, social theorist, uh, Ibram Kendi, when he's talking about racism, applies just as well for ableism. He's like, a fish doesn't need to know what the ocean is to get wet. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I can be the most purposeful disability activist in the world mm -hmm. and because I swim in waters where ableism is the dominant prescriptive way to be I am going to have to fight internalized ableism and you know mm. the sentence I just said is three shows all on its own but yeah I but I'm hoping that the the more I live out of 
my God-given sense of being comfortable in my own skin, the closer those two, what I preach and what I live and what I internalize, the closer those become. Good question. (laughs) The Bible is a holy text, but is there Mm. a difference there than like when you're watching like a show or reading a book or watching a movie or something, is that like in that storytelling aspect, do you apply the same thing to it? Or is that when you see, when disability comes up in those media, is it the same kind of thing? Um, Yes. Yes and no, which make for a good podcast because it means we at least have 20 more minutes. First of all, I would like to go back to um, unpick the first part of your sentence. The difference being that the Bible is a holy text. Mm -hmm. I would say that the Bible is explicitly a holy text. Um, I can't count the number of times I have been um, at the bathroom sink brushing my teeth either listening to Hamilton or, you know, watching the West Wing and all of a sudden God shows up. So mm-hmm. to have a completely different discussion, um, I, I think it's a, rather, it's a rather grand experiment and adventure for us to try to live our lives as though there is the potentiality for everything we do to be a holy text. Whoa, Justin. I mean, I mean, of course there are going to be certain things that are explicitly ruled out. Like, I'm never going to, I'm never going to look at porn and go, well, that's a holy text. <laughs> because, because that's, that is in and of its me, in it in and of its roots, exploitative, abusive, and harmful to humanity. So, you know, there are obvious exceptions to what I just said, which even makes a more interesting point. But I I do think uh that the the line between and I love stories and I'm a storyteller. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my favorite man <laughs> I don't know you just hit me that maybe we need to take three weeks off more often <laughs> we come back and they're like rich veins of conversation when at 10 o'clock last night I was like I don't know what we're going to talk about <laughs> and God was like yeah you just yeah hey yeah, you don't know what you're going to talk about. You just go with that and see what happens. Um, but I love telling stories. And my favorite my favorite way to describe what the ancient rabbis did is the, uh, the, holder, the holders of a community story. Mm-hmm. So story in and of itself means a lot to me. But as far as your, like, the question at the end of that sentence, I don't know. I, I tend to, 
I tend to not watch things that are going to be aggressively uh, tropish about disability or frame disability as the directly as the thing to be overcome. But mm-hmm. again, that's that's so pervasive in our society that if I spent all my time monitoring what I saw and how I reacted and how do I take this thing in and all that, I would be absolutely exhausted and the the most boring human on the planet because nothing is funny because it's Mm. everywhere. So I tend to be, to have a decent sense of humor about many things related to disability which we have talked about before yes but i say i will say what i what has changed for me is when i look at something the easiest example and the example that comes comes most clearly to hand for me is uh the big bang theory Hmm. Um, in and of itself as a vehicle of humor I think several of the jokes in Big Bang Theory are funny Yeah, the way it handles both autism and nerd culture I find borderline I find troubling if not borderline offensive Mm. Because it relies so heavily on the stereotype of both autism and, um, well, geek culture. Um, But that is tempered for me a little bit by the fact that Jim Parsons himself is identifiably on the spectrum. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so if he's willing to, and again, it may be internalized ableism, but you know, may you know, I'm 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 also libertarian enough to go, you know, make your money. <laughs> I, I, somebody's gonna, if somebody's gonna pay me to play somebody with cerebral palsy on TV, and I occasionally had to make a joke at my own expense, how high is the check? <laughs> um, <laughs> not really but you know yeah. I get it and I'm never going to criticize somebody for making a decent living <laughs> um, yeah. but I think what's changed for me is I'm, I'm still prone to laugh at things and prone to not, not take things so ultra serious or too ultra serious as some of my other activist friends but I'm always open for having the conversation. And I think it's always good to, to not let things get off without being critiqued. Right. Yeah. I feel that way. Like when you watch, especially when you watch older movies, like things you're like, ah, I remember loving that. And then you watch it and you're (laughs) like, there's a lot of weird gay jokes in here. (laughs) Like yeah. a lot and trans and transphobic jokes. And it's like, 
oh, the joke is man in dress or like the joke is, oh no, people thought they're a couple and or like, we, like and other things that are not nearly as just like easy for me to just wash off or anything. But yeah, like stuff like that, you watch older shows or movies and the newer things are more aware of it. So I think we're moving in a right direction. Yeah. I mean, I want, you watch that. I think I watched some stuff, you know, from when I was younger, I'm like, oh, well, no wonder I had no clue that I was attracted to women. Cause that was not at all like represented yeah. in any of the media that I was watching. And if it was, it was treated as kind of a fetishy thing for guys, yeah. you know, or, uh, you know, or it wasn't there at all. Like that was kind of it. Yeah. I mean, the example I always use for um, on the queer spectrum, but we'll get to disability in a minute, um, is the I love Seinfeld. And there's a lot of Seinfeld I still love. Mm. But if you ever watch the, not that there's anything wrong with that episode. Oh, yeah. Who, boy. (laughs) (laughs) I think you've brought this one up too before this specific episode. Like, this has affected you, Justin. (laughs) I, I mean, it's, it's, it's part of having so many friends in the LGBTQIA plus community and uh, sort of my own journey with understanding sexuality as a a diversely embodied married man. But the whole joke in that show is homophobia. Mm. That is the fulcrum for the humor and Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. What you the sounds that just came out of Rebecca? Yeah. Is the absolute appropriate reaction. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh. Yeah. And I'll to kind of circle back to what we were so we don't lose the plot entirely and just start talking about problematic episodes of shows we like. Uh, um, I remember, so back when I was in seminary and I was aware of my sexuality at the time, but wasn't out, but have it, but that discussion about homosexuality would come up because there's meant, there's a couple of points in the Bible different than what happens in the representation of disability in the Bible, but like having to then contend with a holy text which is different than a uh, Big Bang Theory episode <laughs> or, or, you yeah. know, or an anime <laughs> where people yeah. can, you know, kind of watch it and get emotional things from it for sure. And maybe take life lessons, take humor, take a break, whatever. But then you have a holy text that people put a lot of faith into and want it to guide their lives. Like you really have to, have good humor about it yes but you have to take that pretty serious even if i think you don't ascribe to the bible the christian bible as a holy text a lot of people do 
And um, so I remember having to look at it and the paper that I always come back to is the one that I wrote about Paul, Paul, when in that long list of things, when he says, hey guys, here's what not to do. And at the top, Mm -hmm. it's the like, man, you know, don't let men shouldn't lay with men and women shouldn't lay with women. And that's the one that always gets super focused on. And I wrote a whole paper about it. And it's like, and then you have to like remind people in this holy text of like, he also shed a lot of other shit you shouldn't do. You shouldn't have, you shouldn't do be adulterers. You shouldn't have idols. You shouldn't like, he has a long, long fucking list of things. And it's, I think it's difficult to, I felt like academically I made sense. Like I got a great, got a great grant on that paper. I think academically that worked. Yeah. I did not, however, have to bring that before a congregation <laughs> like my wife does. I mean, I think, yeah. you know, like I think Amber, who is open now and in an affirming church, but she has to go before everybody and is sort of she is preaching about queerness, I think, often when she is not preaching about queerness, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I think that uh boy this is turning into a two-hour episode and we didn't even we didn't we didn't play for it justin we were gone for a while from each other our main topic is like somewhere over there going (laughs) hey hey (laughs) (laughs) i'm over here and rebecca and i are like we don't care (laughs) we don't care (laughs) um but I think that that is without that is without doubt. I am always, always, always preaching about disability in some form or fashion because of who I am and what I bring to the text. And I know um, I know folks who are younger that have come up in the in the mid-2000s theology environment is disability has become a like a topic of uh, theology and active and good theology who are excited by it and they should be those folks are who I pray for um, is a group of leaders who you don't have to do all this like three days of preamble before you mention the phrase disability theology, they just get it. I think what's challenging about that is there's got to be a bridge for me between where you, what you say, like, as your own theology and what you say, how you teach congregations. You can't like give congregations the whole enchilada all at one time Mm -hmm. or their brains will explode. Um, Or to bring it back to myself for a moment, the reason I am able to reliably go to disability theology so much so consistently now is I know what my underlying theology is. I know what I believe about God. I know what I believe about the Trinity. I know what I believe 
or I'm, I should say, that sounds way too confident. I, I know what I'm working out about the Bible. Mm. I know what I'm working out about who God is fundamentally, which allows me to then put it in the lens of disability and say, does this add up? Mm. Um, but to not, as we've said several times before, not to lose the original plot entirely, but I think when we're talking about stories, whatever they are, and before I say what I'm about to say, we probably should be on the back side of the hill now. Um, I am not saying everybody needs to approach this the way I do. This is in no way an endorsement for a system of thought. Mm-hmm. It's just the way that I approach things. I think whenever we are approaching a creative act be it an anime be it a musical be it a you know a holy text we should always come with a somewhat critical or be open to a somewhat critical eye and have let's call it good-natured skepticism towards the author Mm. which which may honestly makes my relationship with Jesus a whole lot more fun when I can read a gospel text and then go to prayer and go to Jesus and go, what in the world? <laughs> or, or what happens more often? Because I think in a lot of things, Jesus gets it absolutely right as the Savior of the world and my conception of things would. Uh, more often, go up to Jesus in prayer and go, hey, could you tap Paul on the shoulder and ask him just what the hell was he thinking? <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm, I am aware that different people approach text differently and especially holy text and as I said that's the way that I would recommend and the way that I do things that doesn't mean it works for everybody in every circumstance but yeah whenever but to move it away from the Bible so it's a little less uh, uh Anytime we have a, we approach a creative act, we we ought to have good natured suspicion that we can whether we can trust the narrator or not. Well, yeah, I mean that was one of the first things you asked when I was mentioning uh, ranking of kings. You were like, I wonder if there is somebody in the writing room or in the animators room that is deaf. Like that was your immediate like first <laughs> thought. So yeah. yeah, and I mean, I think that too. Like when you when you watch shows or you read books, like I, uh, I'm currently reading a book called Cinderella is Dead, <laughs> and um, it is written by a, um, I think she's a black woman, but she is a woman of color, and so her main character is black, and is um, and is queer and is seemingly a lesbian i'll use that term but she hasn't used that word for herself so i'll just say queer um and it's kind of set in this like fantasy world of like 
where Cinderella is the Cinderella story is the holy text for them. And like, so they do all these things that are focused in on being like Cinderella and you have to find your Prince Charming. And like, maybe if you're good enough, you'll be visited by the, by the fairy godmother and all this other stuff. But it's like when I'm reading it and the way that she's describing, first of all, it's a really fun writing, but when she's describing the feelings that this young woman is having towards one of her best friends and is like how she feels about her and how she just wants to run away with her, but they can't do that because they have to be married to men. And um, I'm reading that and I'm like, Oh, you're not straight. Like there's some like, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe she's just done great research (laughs) or maybe she's just allowed this space to be with two women but like the desire to break free that she has, but this fear of being found out, the desire to be like wanting to be everything your parents want you to be, but struggling with that and also being like, but I am not that. And shouldn't you Mm -hmm. love me for that? Shouldn't you love Mm -hmm. me for me? Which I very unfortunate to have that, but like, like that push and pull that is happening in there. I, I feel it. Sometimes you can just feel it. If you identify with that, you can see, be like, oh yeah, there's somebody, she has felt this before, or she has had extensive, extensive conversations with people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or it's just able to put it, articulate it very well. I don't know, but she doesn't, I mean, if that author is straight, I mean, she fooled me, man, because yeah no and i think it's 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 so and i do think somebody can be open enough to understanding the value of another cultural experience to then go and do a decent job of representing that experience but there's uh, before I and I'm, I may be overstating the case a little bit, but I tend to think there's always going to be a ring of authenticity that's either there or lacking, depending on how close somebody is to that actual yes. cultural experience. I think so. Like, I mean, I don't want to, like, obviously, if you're a writer or if you're a whatever. You're going to be, you should be writing about people that don't look like you, right? You should be writing about people who have different experiences than you. You probably shouldn't. Oh, I mean, figuring out, figuring out is exactly what that looks like in a way that's not bad (laughs) or appropriating or whatever. That's something else entirely. That's a whole other conversation. But, um, but yeah, I, I do think you can tell the difference when you're watching something or reading something and you're like, oh, this feels like somebody has experienced this because I have experienced this. And they're articulating yeah. either the experience or the feelings very, very closely to what I have felt exactly in this same similar scenario. Yeah. And I think to kind of, bring it back to our meta narrative I suppose I think that's the point of all stories that are done 
with reasonably uh, affirming intentions mm-hmm. um, is to bring things out of us, whether it's the Hobbit or a biblical story or um, Hamilton or, you know, uh, I was watching the Shawshank Redemption the other night because it's on Peacock for the 30th or 40th time in my life and no lie Rebecca I've seen that movie as I said 30 or 40 times at least Mm -hmm. I cry every damn time at the end of that movie and I could watch it back to back and I promise you I would get to the same spot and cry because it brings that type of friendship that type Mm. of longing that being that sense of being institutionalized Mm. touches some some very i'm i'm gonna start crying even now um touches some very deep resonant truth in me and uh i think when stories are done with uh, decent intentions that's what that's why stories matter and the stories we tell ourselves and the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves matter so much mm-hmm. so <laughs> you know folks sometimes policies, we come in with one intention <laughs> and then it ends up being a long strange trip but man this has been fun yeah we'll do the other thing another time (laughs) yeah and i have no good way to end the show (laughs) i think you did Um, great what a great story you just told justin (laughs) thanks rebecca (laughs) no in all seriousness folks um this was not our intent, as we've said before. Thanks for coming along uh, with us on this somewhat roundabout journey. And we hope that um, the next time you encounter a piece of art, you um, do it with eyes open and can find a way to find yourself in it mm-hmm. in a positive way. And I guess before I toss it to Rebecca to to ask where can people find us, uh, I'll say what I always say. Go out, put some good into the world, and thanks for coming along on Policies with Policies. So, Rebecca, where can people find us? Uh, They can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, anywhere you can find your um, podcast. You could also find us if you crack open a book and you turn to page uh, 78, uh, in the very top right corner, you'll see a very tiny bookworm with glasses and in a wheelchair. Uh, And that'll be Justin. And then if you flip to page uh, 102, uh, you'll see a kind of a pink amalgamation of a worm with big old pink glasses. And that bookworm is me. And uh, Justin and I will slowly eat through the pages until we reach each other. And then the podcast will begin. So it's kind of a long wait on that one. And you hopefully will enjoy whatever the book is. But that's also where you can find this. 
I am both impressed by what you just did and slightly depressed because LeVar Burton did, did not come up one time and I expected a reading rainbow reference in there. All right, okay, okay. So at the end of it, after we've beaten through and we finish the podcast, Justin and I melt away, turn it into two cocoons. You wait however that amount of time is. And then we burst out and we can fly twice as high from a book, in a book, and fly across the reading rainbow. (laughs) There we go. With LeVar Burton. Good save, Rebecca. And before we go completely off the rails. Too late. Bye, folks. Bye. Remember, you can fly twice as high.